Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Gary Parrish, welcome back to CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube, or even like, you know, not live on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davis. You have consent. Guess what? It's draft week. 2022 NBA draft is scheduled for, for Thursday night. No reason to think it won't go off as scheduled. As you know, we've spent uh, the past few weeks uh, profiling different prospects in the draft, specifically Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bencaro, Jabari Smith, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, Shaden Sharp, Ochai Abaji, Benedict Matherin, Jalen Duran. We got entire episodes on those guys, and now we want to focus on some of the other guys. So with that in mind, I have a series of questions. For mm. Deadleg, are you ready to be put through a series of questions? Uh, I'm, I, I, I have no idea what these questions are going to be, but I'll just, I'll be ready. I'll be locked and loaded. So I just throw them at me and I, I I couldn't imagine what these questions are, but I I am ready for your Usman Jang takes. I know that much. I spent uh, father's day. Hey, happy father's day, by the way. Happy father's day to you. Happy belated father's day. Yes. Happy belated father's day to you. I spent father's day night developing a series of questions and now I will force you to answer them on the Ion College Basketball Podcast. There's no for you can't force the willing. I'm right here, willing and wanting. Okay, good, great. Let's start with this one. Okay. I, have five, I have a series of questions. Five. Five makes a series, I think. Mini series. I have a mini series of questions. Question number one. Because I'm trying to set this up where we could talk about people we haven't already talked about. I got it. That's the thought process behind this. Which player not named Chet Holmgren? Paulo Bencaro, Jabari Smith, Keegan Murray, Jalen Duran, or Gary Parrish will be the best front court player from this draft. Take those guys, set them aside. Who's the best one left on the table? It is draft week. Welcome to the Ion Draft Podcast. Ah, Here I we go. It. A few more episodes. If you have not already, seriously, go back and listen to our prospect ones. Get involved. Only three more days. And we're going to talk about guys that we do like that we didn't dedicate full-on episodes to. So for this specific question, I'm going to go off of my big board and my big board mock draft, which is a mock I do every year uh, where I try and project out my best guess at who will be the best NBA players when all of their careers are done. You know, I'm just I'm not trying to predict team behavior. I'm saying I don't care that. People think Chet Holmgren's going to go second. I've got Chet Holmgren as going to be the fifth best player from this class when it's all said and done, which is still good, but I'm going to buy into some of the selling points on Holmgren. That's just one example. That'll be up later on Monday at CBSSports.com. If you're watching this in real time on YouTube, if you're getting to this on Monday night, well, go and check your CBS Sports app. Hey, YouTube. is up there. My answer to this question, best front front court player, that's not Paulo, Chet, Jabari, Keegan, and Jalen Duran. I would say Mark Williams. I am in on Mark Williams. I have him great as a top 10 player in this draft class. To be clear on this, 
I don't believe that Mark Williams is going to grow into one of the most dynamic all around great centers in the NBA in two, four, six years time. But I do think that Mark Williams's defensive aptitude will turn him into a top five defender as a big in the NBA, very smart player, great length, good athleticism, really nice touch. will grow into a very good passer. I am in on Mark Williams, ceiling and long-term projection in the NBA. I have him ninth overall on my big board, so he is my answer. Who do you have, Gary Parrish? First on Mark Williams, because I, I wrote about this uh, in a column that should be posted at some point this afternoon, just sort of um, how the evolution of the NBA game has impacted center prospects. And, you know, there's some guys who say, I, I just wouldn't take a center in the top five, even Chet Holmgren. Like I'm just, even though he's uniquely gifted, I just, I got no use for uh, centers who can't obviously guard in space. I I, I don't want to take them with a top t- five pick. I, I you know, I, I don't want to take them. 20 years ago, Jalen Duran's probably a top five pick. Kofi Coburn's probably a first round pick. Now Jalen Duran might go outside of the top 10 and Kofi Coburn might not get picked. The game has changed so much. So let me ask you this about Williams. Um, Obviously, he's going to be a rim protector. Are you worried about him being put in ball screens and played off the court? Are you willing to use a lottery pick on somebody who will probably be able to get played off the court in certain, you know, five out small ball lineups um, when the opposition goes that that direction in the playoffs, which is where this stuff typically happens? um, He becomes problematic. Maybe, but I'm also not all in on the idea that we'll look up in five, six years and the NBA will be at that spot in the playoffs with all teams that can do that. I think that you can never uh, you can never fully negate and uh, repress uh, really good athleticism, really good size. And I think that Mark Williams will have a spot in the league for more than a decade there. And I think he's actually athletic enough where he can grow into an even better defender. No, I don't think he's going to be as... Uh, paradigm shifting of a shot blocker as Chet Holmgren could possibly be. But like Williams could wind up being just about nearly as good of a defender as Holmgren is because he's actually much more physically well built and he's nearly as long as Holmgren and Holmgren, I think, is actually even more vulnerable beyond 10 to 12 feet. I'm not as now a huge seller after watching Storm Murphy put Mark Williams in a blender. I understand that in an ACC tournament game. But no, I'm I'm in. I, I, I think that there's very possibly going to be uh, scenarios down the road where we will have uh, big still having a lot of value, particularly if you can be a very good rim protector. And with that comes, you know, tremendous rebounding assets and the smaller the other team goes, as long as you've got uh, a guy on the, on your end of the floor who can, uh, who can sag miss shots, which are always going to be out there. I still think there's a lot of value. So I am a bit higher than on Mark Williams than I think most, but I do think that by, by the end of it, he's going to, there's another player, I don't know if we'll wind up talking about him too much on this episode or not. Let me see if I have him. No, I don't think I have him uh, in anything that we're going to get to. I also think Walker Kessler, who's going to be, I think, a better mid to long range shooter than Mark Williams. I, I easily can envision Walker Kessler being an eight to 10 year starter in the NBA. And he is a center. He is a set, but he has athleticism. He has touch. He has rebounding capability. He obviously is a very good rim protector shot blocker. So there is still not just space for these guys in the NBA, but I think there's actually important roles that can be played. Some of it will be situational, but I'm in 
on Williams, top 10 prospect in this class as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I think Kessler's got stretch uh, capabilities. Like, I think we'll look up in four years and he's, uh, you know, taking a decent amount of three-pointers and making it at a, at a good rate. And obviously the rim protecting is there. This is interesting because uh, I went with a different front cup player and, and basically based it on a totally opposite perspective you go with Mark Williams, who has a very defined skill set. And I do agree the things he's great at, are, he'll be really good at, if not great at. I went with Jeremy Sohan at a Baylor because he's the a front court prospect who is a versatile defender, who is going to be able to guard in space, who is going to be able to guard smaller guys. And I, I think, you know, play some small ball five as well. He's a four, um, but he could probably, you know, in time, play some small ball five and either way um, you, you you put him in ball screens and he's, he's going to be able to, to, to handle himself in that space. And so I don't know what else he becomes, uh, you know, the shooting, I, I guess he has potential, but he didn't shoot a good percentage from the free throw line, which is um, never a good sign. Uh, but I, I don't know that the shot is broken. It's just a matter of, you know, it, it, He's young. He's got a lot of stuff to work on. Uh, and, and shooting would be the, the primary skill. But you know, I, I think this is generally accepted logic uh, from NBA front office people. Um, superstars are superstars. If you can get one of them, take them. But outside of that, look for guys who can do something that translates clearly. And I think Soen's ability to guard multiple positions in the front court is a, is a translatable skill that's going to give him a, an opportunity to have a really long uh, NBA career. All right, second question. Which player, not named Shaden Sharp, Benedict Matherin, or Ochai Abaji, is going to be the best wing from this draft? I think we're going to have the same answer. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say A.J. Griffin shot 44.7% on 159 three-point attempts last season. That wasn't the most on Duke. Trevor Keels, I don't know what happened here. Trevor Keels took 173 three-pointers last season for Duke. He was good enough. I mean, he was 31%. He wasn't terrible, but he was whatever. Griffin is the guy. Also shot 55% from inside the three-point arc and was a 79% foul shooter. 6-6, you know, in that two, 220 to 230 range. Um, some NBA evaluators have have used the one NBA evaluator used the phrase popcorn muscles. He's like, he's so well-developed and he's so... He, physically, he looks good, but actually the play uh, doesn't represent that in a lot of ways. He does not have a good defensive reputation. Uh, some people do believe that he can eventually get there if he wants it, but um, makes really good reads off of screens. Great catch-and-shoot guy. Can have some creation there. His offensive rating last season was 127.1, according to Ken Palm. By the way, Mark Williams, 138.9, second in the entire sport, since we talked about Williams on that front. Um but no, I like I like Griffin here. Uh, just a just a traditional we call him a wing, but he is a he is a shooting guard, particularly with the way that he has played there. There have been some injury concerns. Uh, I'm I'm be fast. We didn't dedicate an episode to him. Uh, I think his range is six to twelve, probably. Um, tough to tough to really pin pin him down in terms of where he's going to go and if any team will. Uh, either move up or move out and find themselves like staring at the eighth pick, 10th pick, and he's still there and he winds up going. But I think he's got the best chance. He does have 
uh, lineage. His father played in the NBA. Father was actually a different kind of player, so uh, doesn't really take a ton after dad. But yeah, the shooting is just undeniable. Great looking stroke, high arc, good release. I saw him in person. Jeez, I'm looking at the schedule now. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times in person this season. So I saw um, I saw him and or Duke uh, plenty of times. So he would be my most likely pick, and I, I'm gonna. Maybe maybe you'll surprise me, but I figured that's who you're going with here too. I went with AJ Griffin as well for uh, you know largely the same reasons. I mean, he's an athlete who can shoot. Like I, you know, what is not to like about athletes who can shoot? Uh, same reason I'm I'm really high on Benedict Matherin, an athlete who can shoot, uh, who's got you know size on the wing. Um, I think Matherin's a little bigger, uh, taller. I should say taller, maybe not bigger. Um, but yeah, son of an NBA player who's now an NBA coach. Like he just he checks a lot of boxes. This is a guy who um will he be a star? Maybe. I, I sort of roll my eyes when people start ruling out stardom. Mm-hmm. Um, like our buddy Seth Davis did the his his annual draft um piece uh where he talks to seven different NBA scouts and you know then sort of meshes together what they told him to try to um create a scouting report you know, on, you know, lots of different prospects and, um, you know, and, and it's sort of, these are the concerns. These are the things that we believe in. And it, it's really well done. It published this morning. If you haven't read it yet, you should. Um, but there, there was one part in there where it was like, so-and-so is a finished product. Like none of these guys are finished products. Like, you know, sometimes you'll see, well, he's 22 years old. He's a finished product. Name me one great basketball player who didn't get better after the age of 22. Like literally one, mm-hmm. like one name one. So the idea that he's a 22 year old finished product, and I'm not talking about AJ Griffin here, obviously, because he's young, but the idea that any of these guys are finished products is just wild to me. So will AJ Griffin be a star? I'm, I'm not sure, but he's, he's, I think got star potential. And if you've got star potential, you know, that that's how you end up getting picked somewhere between, as you put it, six and 12. Yeah. We're on the same page with this one. Third question. Which player, not named Jaden Ivey, will be the best point guard or combo guard from this draft? This seems to be where you run into some real doubt. Uh, You get a lack of depth at point guard slash combo guard in this draft, which isn't to say there aren't guys or there are, actually. Um, I've got two guys that I'm going to mention here uh, before we wrap up this pod. The first one's coming in just a few seconds here, but it's kind of glaring uh, after Ivy uh, when you're looking for someone who you would think would either have the ball in their hands as the guy running the offense or would certainly be a strong secondary option or a guy off the bench. And so my answer is Ty Ty Washington out of Kentucky, who uh, I would describe as a combo guard. Not really like now he's a little, he's a little undersized, uh, good creator off the bounce, good shot. Uh, certainly likes the mid range plenty. I'm not overly confident in this pick parish, but when I was looking through, there's another player who I'll get to on another question here soon. That could, that could apply to this. I actually think I'm higher on him than any of us who have done mocks at CBS at least. Uh, but I'll get to him in a second, but Ty Ty would be my pick. And when I look at this, I'm going to say we're going to match in back-to-back questions here. Unless, you, Listen, I, I'd love for you to surprise me, but I'm not seeing someone else 
that fits this description, non-Ivy player, that's a point or a combo guard in this draft, that'll be the best. So if it's not Ty Ty, you know, who is it? Kennedy, Ch- Kennedy Chandler. My Kennedy, little homie, okay. My little homie from Memphis. He is, the size is the thing. There's no question, but to reference Seth's uh, piece talking to scouts again, um, the Kennedy Chandler portion starts this way. If you're ever going to take a small guard, this would be the guy. I, I it, it is undeniable that being as small as he is, is a potential problem, especially on the defensive end of the court. There's no getting around that. I'm not going to spend the next three minutes. He's even to t- smaller than like, he's not going to be Seth Curry. He's even smaller. He's six feet. He's six feet tall. That's going to be a lot to overcome. That's why I didn't consider him in, for this question. He is the exact same height as Chris Paul. Chris Paul, six feet? Six foot. Listed that way. I feel like Chris Paul is six one, but all right. You calling Kennedy Chandler the next Chris Paul? No, but I am saying that he's got, he, if somebody can overcome it, he can. And the idea that people don't overcome it is crazy. And if you want to argue six foot's not six one, I hear you. But Jalen Brunson's six one. Frank Van Vliet is six foot one. You know, uh, Chris Paul's six foot. Kennedy Chandler's six foot. The one thing, Chris, but not the one thing, but a thing, Chris Paul, Jalen Brunson, and Fred Van Vliet. And I bring them up because Chris Paul's an all time great. Uh, Van Vliet's an all star. And Jalen Brunson's about to get paid in free agency. All right. National player of the year, too. Okay. Here's the thing in college Chris Paul, Jalen Brunson, Fred Van Vliet, what were they all? Little point guards who ran their teams incredibly, won, and reliably made three-point shots. All three of them did that. All three of them did that. There was nothing not to see except for, eh, well, you know, with Chris Paul, is he too small? With uh, Jalen Brunson, is he too small? Is he athletic enough? With Fred Van Vliet, is he too small? Is he athletic enough? And you look up, and Chris Paul, if you redid his draft, would be the first pick. Um, if you did redid the Jalen Brunson draft, he'd be a top 10 pick easy. And if you redid the Fred Van Vliet draft, he'd be a top 10 pick easy, even though he didn't get picked at all. And so with, with Kennedy Chandler, I'm just, I'm seeing a lot of the same stuff um, quicker than some of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but total winner, won state championships in high school, won grassroots championships, um, had Tennessee, you know, with the resume on Selection Sunday that I thought quite clearly should have been a two seed in the NCAA tournament, won the SEC tournament. He's just done nothing but win, run teams well, and he can reliably make the three-point shot. Is he small? Yes, he's small. Um, but guys do sometimes overcome that, and I would bet on him overcoming it. I bet we look up. I bet you we redraft this draft in three years, or more likely we just let Sam Vecini do it. And when we do, wherever Kennedy Chandler is picked this Thursday, we will say he went lower than he should have. Okay, I got Kennedy Chandler fourth overall. I still have one other player ahead of him because of the size. But there's no denying none that from a talent perspective, Kennedy Chandler is unquestionably a top 25 player in this draft. There's, you, it, is, it is non-arguable. And he did really well at the combine. He's got good length for his size with his frame. But yes, there there is just a certain question over at that size. 
will he be able to be a full-time starting point guard for, you know, seven, eight, ten years in the NBA? He very well might be. I love it. You surprised me there. Um, Kenny Chandler is in my mock. He's just on the back end of the first round. What do we got next? Which player, or who is a player, projected outside of the top 14 of our consensus big board at CBS Sports, who you believe can be a star? Not will be a star, but but like you, it's not hard for you to see it. Okay, this is our consensus top 14. This is the input from uh, GP, myself, Kyle Boone, David Cobb, and then Colin Ward-Henninger, who does great stuff over on the NBA side for us at CBSSports.com. So this is all of our votes put together. Uh, I assume Booney didn't cook the books for any of his dudes here. So he'll be on our, Kyle Boone will be on our uh, our first round mock draft special podcast. Episode. I don't know. You know what they say? Some, they, uh, they've been saying it in our industry circles for years. Don't know if you can trust that Kyle Boone. Okay. That's nice. That's what they've been saying. That's what they, I know that I can. Here's our top 14. This yeah, is our I, feel, I feel like I can trust Kyle Boone, too. He's strong, John, for crying out loud. I'll make a little news here. Number one on our on our consensus board is Paulo Bancaro, and I love it. Because guess what? Paulo Bancaro is number one on my big board, too. Uh, it goes Paulo, Chet, Jabari Smith is third on our consensus. You will not get that anywhere else. Jaden Ivey, then Shaden Sharp is top five. And then we go Keegan Murray, A.J. Griffin, Ben Matherin, Ochai Abaji, Dyson Daniels out of G League Ignite is number 10. And then the final four spots are Sohan, Ty Ty Washington, Ohio State's Malachi Branham, and then Jalen Duran is 14. Those are our lottery big board consensus, one through 14. Parrish's question is, outside of that top 14, who's someone I actually think can grow into being a star? And I'm going to focus in on a player that I wrote a, a profile on that published late last week. And it's Patrick Baldwin Jr. Now, Patrick Baldwin Jr., feel free to go and give the story a read to get a little more insight and perspective as to what the hell he just went through over the past year of his life. But he was a highly rated prospect from a very early age, was always big for his age, uh, great size, good shooting, all that. The first three years of his high school career, there really was no debate. He was a top three prospect in his class. At one point, was rated number one overall. He gets hurt like his second game of his senior year, dislocates his ankle. This is coming, you know, December of 2020. So lost all these games uh, at the tail end of his of his junior year, then loses his entire senior year of high school, winds up committing to play for his father, who was the coach at the time at Milwaukee. He could have gone and played at Duke, picked his father, and then all last season, Milwaukee's a bad team. The ankle is never fully all the way better. He actually over relies on his right leg because it was a left angle injury. Winds up getting tendonitis uh, on his right side as well. Only plays in 11 games. Is not a good shooter. The stats are not good whatsoever. But he is a 6'10 player with a great fo- with you know people are basically saying AJ Griffin and. And uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. have like the two best shooting forms in this draft. Now, Griffin is undeniably a better shooter. In fact, as the story depicts, one scout told me, if you go and look back at Baldwin's shooting numbers in AAU play, and then you look at Milwaukee, there's actually nothing to suggest he is an efficient shooter. It looks amazing. He has good size. He does make some of them. He doesn't make all of them. In fact, he had he shot 34.4% from the field last season, which is atrocious. But why is he the answer to this question? Because, one, I'm trying to identify someone with a viable skill set outside of the lottery, again, who has a star potential. 
And there is a there is the possibility here that Patrick Baldwin Jr. is almost Michael Porter Jr. light. Michael Porter Jr. played like three games in college. Now, Porter was he had a better high school reputation in terms of being a player than Baldwin, but they have had similar pass. Now, Porter slipped all the way to 14 uh, after thinking that he could go anywhere from like four to eight on draft night. He went all the way down to 14. Baldwin will not be in the lottery. I don't think he'll go in the top 20. Boone has him at 20 in his latest mock draft. But if he can come off this year and he's getting like a flurry of requests to get workouts in like a few days before the draft here, teams are either getting nervous or they're they're showing their hand because he's only worked out heading into last week Jeep for like seven or eight teams. I think there's the possibility that a 6'10", you know, combo forward who has a post-up game, who has good handles, who has good competitive spirit, can grow into a star. I think he is the most likely, in my opinion, because we have seen him perform and play and show from an early age. And it's usually that kind of profile, that kind of player, where even if they take a detour and they're off the path for two, four, six years, we look up, they might be three, five, seven seasons into an NBA career, and suddenly they're really hitting. And it's like, yeah, there's a reason why when they were 15 or 16 years old and they were graded among the best in the entire country, they have had that talent. I'm not saying it will happen. I, I do have Baldwin in the top 20 on my big board because I'm going to buy in on him paying off eventually. Last season was super weird. He picked the wrong spot, but I think he can grow into a really, really good number two option on the team. It's a gamble, but I'll take that gamble. He's my answer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I can remember at some point in the season, because like at one point last offseason or whenever his recruitment was heating up, like Patrick Baldwin's a big story in the sport. Like I, we talked about it on the podcast. I wrote a column about him uh, picking uh, Milwaukee to play for his father a column that um, included me endorsing his decision. Turns out we were both wrong, um, although I understood the reasons behind it. But I remember, like, I don't know, maybe it's middle January, early February, and I'm like, yo, I hadn't even thought of Patrick Baldwin. Not one time this entire season. Like, he has just disappeared and yes. for all the reasons um, you pointed out. Um, I, I like that as a possibility, you know, I, I think other guys you could throw out for similar reasons. Kendall Brown, uh, I don't know how good he is. He wasn't great at Baylor, but you know, these guys who were extremely heralded five-star prospects who maybe weren't what they were supposed to be in their one and only years of college, um, you can sort of uh, buy low on them 
in this draft if you believe there's something there. If you believe that whatever it is made these guys five-star prospects coming out of high school um, is still something worth uh, grabbing onto, you can get them at a pretty good price, so to speak. Uh, Zaire Williams is an example of this in the 2021 NBA draft. Horrific freshman season at Stanford. The Grizzlies basically disregarded his entire freshman season and just said we're going to draft him off what we thought he was coming out of high school. And it's still not clear if that was good or bad. Um, he was taken with the 10th pick. Uh, I mentioned Sam Vecini earlier. Um, he redrafted that draft within the past couple of weeks and uh, I believe had Zaire going a little lower, not much lower, but a little lower than where he was actually picked. But he had a pretty good rookie season. Like he played meaningful minutes, started games for a team with the second best record in the NBA. Um, so any guy like that makes some sense. And so my actual answer to this question would be Kennedy Chandler. But we talked about that. Another option, Jaden Hardy. Uh, he didn't have a bad freshman season because he didn't play college basketball, but he was with the G League Ignite and didn't really do much to help his draft stock. Shot 26.9% from three. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of that, um, according to evaluators who have spent a lot of time watching G League film, is shot selection. Just like, can you rein it in a little bit? Not that he's a bad shooter, just takes a lot of bad shots. If you take a lot of bad shots, unless you're Steph Curry, you're going to miss him um, at a pretty great rate. So um, there are things that have to be resolved, improved, but this is a guy who a year ago, some people thought could be a top 10 pick. And if you can get him, you know, in, in the 20s, which I think is probably possible, certainly late teens, 20s, um, I, he's the type of player I could envision exceeding his draft slot. And, and yeah, for these purposes, maybe uh, becoming a star. All right, question five. Who is a player projected outside of the top 30 of our big board, you believe, will still be in the NBA in the eight years. Because I know it's like, you know, Draymond Green was a second-round pick. Giannis Antetokounmpo was drafted here. You know, like, let's try to find these stars in places where uh, Nikola Jokic, second-round pick. Let's try to find these stars in places where stars aren't normally picked. Um, that's so rare. It, it almost never happens. It does happen sometimes, but it's not a normal thing. So I don't want to set the bar at star for a guy outside of our top 30. Like, hey, you just look up at eight years and he's still a meaningful player in the NBA. Who's that guy for you? My highest rated player that's not in our consensus top 30 is the guy I have at 21, who I think will be the second best or third best combo slash point guard. And that is Gonzaga's Andrew Nemhard. Uh, 6'5", good size, really good passing acumen, shot 38% from three this past season, really good overall basketball IQ. To me, he is a no-brainer first-round grade. I don't believe he will get taken in the first round, although it wouldn't stun me, actually, if he did on the back end. But there's the buzz at, at this point doesn't indicate that's where he's going to go. But I just see him as a steady, long-term NBA player. He has been projected as an NBA level type of guard since his time when he started at Florida. He just take he's taken a different road to get there. I don't see him as a star. I don't necessarily see him as someone who's going to start more seasons in the NBA than not. But I think he can be a good shooter at the second and third level. I think that will happen. And then when I consider his size, his passing acumen, I'm going to trust that. He is my pick, my highest rated player that's not on our top 30 consensus board. 
I went with Christian Brown. Um, 6'6 guard, wing, um, who maybe wasn't an A.J. Griffin-level shooter or even Ochai Abaji-level shooter um, in his time at Kansas. But, did you know, shot it pretty well. 38% from three um, in three years at KU. And in one of those seasons, um, I believe was above 40%. Better athlete than I think um, some might realize. Can guard multiple positions. Like, like a, a role player? Sure. But as we talked about before, wings with size, like 6'6", six, 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 six. you know, I'm not talking about a 6'3 wing here. 6'6", six, six, uh, a guy who can guard multiple position, uh, positions and I think be a reliable three-point shooter. Like those guys are, you can't have too many of them. And I think he can be one of them. Now, Christian Brown might get picked in the second round. I'd say late 20s is about as high as he goes. Um in the thirties or forties is, is possibly where he goes. Um, but I, I genuinely believe we look up in eight years and he's still in the NBA and a lot of guys picked before him just won't be anymore. Maybe a ceiling's not as high, but I, I, you know, he, he does some things that, and you know, we, we touched on this for weeks now. He does some things that are, are obviously translatable. And I think he does those things well enough. That's going to, he's going to stick in the league for a while. Brown's a fascinating one. Don't really quite know where to do and what where to put him. He is not on my top 30, but he he was in consideration there. So, you know, I got him like in the 32 to 35 range. It's obviously a reasonable uh, slot. Uh, I know those are, the, those are the five you have. I've got a few names that are like likely, if not lock second rounders, if not guys that might not get picked. Uh, I will take this question real quick. Volfan205 asks, what is the most out there belief that you have about a player in this draft that you know is crazy, but you think it's going to happen? He says, I think Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, that Jalen Williams is going to be an all-star at some point. I'm a huge seller on Jalen Williams from Arkansas. I'm all in on Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. But my answer to that question is, I think that Isaiah Mobley out of USC is going to easily be a top 30 prospect uh, when all said and done. When we look back at 10 plus years from now, I am, and Isaiah Moby might not get picked. If he does, it's going to be 45 or lower, probably. But I am way on in on him. In fact, the three players that are projected to go in the second round that I have first round grades for, Arizona's Christian Coloco, who has such tantalizing defensive upside. Again, yes, you can pigeonhole a lot of what he does, but uh, he can be just an awesome defensive presence, really dynamic, Guard four positions. Love Coloco. I think he should go in the first round, even though offensively there's a lot to work out there. Mobley, I don't have that far behind. And then another one, I've just seen the guy play in person plenty of times. He's got NBA size. He's got an NBA stroke. What's weird is he's been be- he was better from three than he was from the line and from, from two-point range. But I am buying an eight- to ten-year career for UConn's Tyrese Martin. I would also have a first-round grade on him, which is, again, it is a gamble, it is a leap, as my mock draft will explain. All these mocks you see, and this is through no fault, it's just it's just a natural way of things. You're going to see a lot of the same guys in similar spots on these mocks, and that's fine. It represents the collective brain trust of where people are going to go. All of them will be wrong. Every single year, there will be guys that get taken way too early or way too late. So with my big board mock, what I am trying to do is, one, have a little bit of fun with it, but also try and identify... Listen, there will be guys that get taken the second round or not taken, period, that will prove to be 
top 20 to 30 players in this draft class. To me, the guys that are most likely to do that are like Nemhard, Coloco, Mobley, Martin. I'm pretty in on Wendell Moore Jr. out of Duke. I think he should go first round. I've gotten feedback that says maybe not. Um, so those are just some names for me. I've, you know, saw a user question there. I don't know if there's any other guy, GP, that you just like that we haven't touched on that either you think is late first round or, or second round that you've been looking at, but you you know the buzz isn't there, but maybe he'll he'll grow into that down the road. Yeah, well, like Kennedy Chandler is obviously one for me. I'm higher as established in a previous episode on Ochai Abaji than most. I, I think Abaji is going to be one of the 10 best players from this draft. I agree. And he's he's the one I believe in Cess piece where somebody said, hey, he's a he's a finished product. Well, he, no, he's not. He's just not. No, I, I don't. I'll keep it as simple as I can keep it. Every really good NBA player, even good NBA player was not a finished product at 22. Literally none of them. None of them. Anthony Bennett was the only finished product, but not good. I know, but he was finished. He was finished. <laughs> he was definitely finished, but not good. Um, so I'm higher on Abaji than most. I'm a believer in Kennedy Chandler. Um, and I, I, I think Christian Brown. Like, I'm a believer in Christian Brown. Um, if you want one prediction, yeah. here's one. Whoever is picked number one in this draft will not be the best player in the draft from the draft. I love that prediction. It echoes something. I'm not going to give away the whole thing here, but yes, uh, my, to kind of sidle up with you on that, we know the top three, whatever order they go in, Jabari, Chet, Paolo. The likelihood, the chances that Jabari, Chet, and Paolo in any order are the three best players from this draft are tiny. There's going to be at least one player and probably two or three players that wound up, that wind up being better than at least one of those guys. When we look 10 years from now, it's all viable that they should be one, two, three in this draft. But it just normally doesn't shake out that way. And they're three bigs. You're telling me the three best players from this draft are going to be three big men with where the NBA is going? It's not impossible. It's highly unlikely. There will be at least one of those three that won't be a top three player. Probably two of those three won't be top three players. They could be four and five. They could be four and seven. They could be five and 11. I think it's likely at least one of them is a top three player in this draft. But to ask all three perish, you agree, right? There's, the, the, the chances well, of that are so low, even if it's reasonable to have those guys top three. Well, I think you could do that with basically any draft. Just say, I don't think the top three players that are going to be selected are going to be the three best players from this draft. That That is usually, if not always, going to be true. But um, Sure. Like I, I was on radio in Sacramento last week. They've obviously got the fourth pick. And I said, um, I, I said, I, 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 you know, this might sound like I'm contradicting myself, but like, just here's what I'm saying. I genuinely believe the top three players should taken should be Chet Holmgren, uh, Jabari Smith and Paulo Bencaro in some order. We could argue about the order, but those should be the first three players taken. I can also see, Sacramento getting the best player in this draft with the fourth pick. Like I could, it's not, I don't think Jaden Ivey should be selected before any of those three. I can envision a scenario where Jaden Ivey is better than all three. I can envision a scenario where Shaden Sharp is better than all three. Obviously I'm not predicting it. Otherwise I'd, you know, I'd have those guys at the top, but 
sometimes it, it's it's pretty clear. Now, the guy going first, is he, I'll be shocked if he's not the best player from this draft. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, um, you know, to a lesser extent, maybe Carl Anthony Towns. Um, but in this one, it, I know who I would take first. It's not hard for me to imagine that person not being the best player in this draft, and it's not hard for me to imagine the guy I've got going fourth, fifth, or sixth, you know, in five years being the best player from this draft. This is that kind of draft. It's going to be an interesting one on Thursday night. We will have coverage, full draft show, 7 o'clock on on CBS Sports HQ, which makes for a very entertaining and informative uh, second screen watch, if you will. Parrish will be on it. I'll be on it. Uh, Adam Finkelstein, Avery Johnson. So we're looking forward to that. But before we get to that. Well, hold on, let me stop you there. That starts at 7 o'clock Eastern. I'm trying to figure out what time I got to get to Stanford. Our draft show starts at 7 Eastern. Yeah. 7 Eastern. I'm off the radio at 7 Eastern. Ooh, this is getting difficult. How long does it take to get to... From Midtown Manhattan to at that hour <laughs> to Stanford, get, get to the chopper, my friend. I'm going to need the CBS helicopter. You're going to need a chopper. You're going to need a chopper. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not good. We will have a mock draft episode coming for you on Tuesday with Kyle Boone. Uh, so look forward to that. We will be much quicker in our takes on why we're picking, where we're picking, who we're picking. But that'll be a a full first round mock, our last thing to give you pod wise before we get to actual draft night, and then we'll have actually post draft coverage later this week. Woohoo! Shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to Hawk and Larnell, and thank you guys for listening once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave a nice review. Five stars. Type some words. There's more of us than there are of them, and it must be reflected in the comments. Breaks my heart people in the comments sometimes trying to act like there's not more of us than there are of them that's a lie there's more of us than there are of them don't let them trick you a lot more i had someone come up to me at a dave matthews band show on saturday in hartford which i went to solid show by the way stone tour debut we love it but someone came up to me beforehand there's more of us than there are of them (laughs) (laughs) to this pod so there we go at the final four people are just yelling i'd just be walking down the street people just be yelling it at me which i appreciate it it's good to hear we'll talk to you again real soon till then take care